Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we are going to talk about Sabbath, the commandment of Sabbath, the practice of Sabbath. Is it a smart idea? Is it a God idea? Is it really required of New Testament Christians? And on and on it goes. I think I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. It's it's, a... It's contentious in a strange way, in a way that a lot of people don't talk about, and a lot of people are mad that a lot of people don't talk about it. Interesting. So it's contentious, I would say, in a small percentage of people. Yeah, yeah, it is. And yet it is something that we don't practice. And, and let's just get it right off the top. I'm lousy at Sabbath. Mm. How about you? Are you you're pretty good at Sabbath? Uh, I think if well, Sabbath were an Olympic sport, you would be a gold medalist. <laughs> I think Sabbath has to do with mindfulness and I can I can relax like crazy. I'm not always mindful of gotcha. Sabbath. All right. Well, let's get let's yeah. let's save some of that gold yeah, for the actual get, discussion. Yeah. Before that, have though, you guys it finished is, the episode. Yeah, it is uh it is joke or story time and it's your turn, John. You're up. We're 31 episodes in and we've told one joke. 32. This is episode This is episode 32. 32. So, we either need to start telling jokes or cut just say story time. I've got some great jokes. Well, I have no jokes today. I only have a story. Okay. Um, it's actually, so it's a it's a series of smaller stories. All my stories are a little too short for this segment, which is kind of tough. Maybe I'm just too succinct of a, <laughs> of a storyteller. But uh, uh, I hate public speaking. I can't stand it. If you, in, in school, you know, and throughout, you're kind of, you, you're given opportunities to public speak. And uh, in like, and even in one of my requirements to graduate from college was a speech course. And, uh, They'd be five minute speeches, and to me, that's like that was too much. And you know, you you give you basically public speak. You do public speak every week for thirty minutes. Thirty five is the average, and then on Wednesday nights, another fifteen. Well, anyway, I have given who knows how many presentations. One of them went very very well, and I was, and is that the subject of today's story? Yeah, yeah, and uh, all through college, so uh, hadn't. I hadn't had to do many presentations yet, but I was assigned one of my marketing class with uh, my buddy Lem, and he was uh, there on a debate scholarship. And so he's very scholars. They give debate yeah. scholarships. Northwest's debate team is one of the best in the entire country. They and they give scholarship money. Yes, they don't even give their athletes scholarship money. Well, because their debate team's a lot better than their their athletic teams. <laughs> <laughs> they've won. They've won world debate championships. World champions. World championships. They they fly to Greece to debate people there. Get out of town! I'm serious. It's crazy. One of their uh, one of Lem's like the seniors uh, when Lem first entered debate. Her name was Marlene something or other. She was the best, you know, according to whatever uh, circuit this was, the best public speaker in the world for one year. She gave a she made all the way to nationals and then gave a a address uh, and was and won a public debate speaker or, or like just public speaking. Uh, debate. It was in a, in a debate. Circuit. So she's making a case. Is that what yeah, that's it was, like? It was a monologue. What is, was what it was. It, it was separate. So the debates itself are competitions. She was tasked to give a monologue in this specific competition on a topic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm with Lem, and I don't know if it, if it's my uh, my confidence because of him or what, but we crushed it. Uh, what were you? You were both doing a presentation together in a class. Yeah. It was, what was the class? So it was in marketing, and it was uh, we all were assigned, uh, or we might have picked. I forget, but we were 
we presented on um, a real business and we uh, kind of dissected their marketing, their mm-hmm. commercials, mm-hmm. their you know press mm-hmm. releases, whatever, and uh, and broke it down and presented that to the class. And so we had Evergreen Health, which is uh, okay. That's a hospital right there by the mm-hmm. school. Yeah, up in Kirkland, and uh, so. So Lem emails me the, the we're gonna we're gonna break down this this uh, uh, commercial that they made, and he emails me the link, just a YouTube little YouTube link, and uh, and so I've watched it a few times, kind of make some slides on it, and uh, we present, and it went so well. And my slides in particular, I've, I I I thought I did really good. Well, you're and, a pretty good slide producer, but you mean the way you presented the slide? Yeah, yeah, the speaking and everything. So basically. It was just simple stuff like all of their shots of patients with with um, doctors and nurses. They're always alone, so it's it's kind of this like the idea that you get really exactly, private attention here. Exactly, no one's if there's ever a shot of a waiting room, there's one person there, and they are <laughs> you know then they're very soon with alone with the dog. It's very right. specialized, so it's just stuff like that. Um, and at the very end, the last part, the last shot of the trailer says something about Maine. And we realized that we were presented a, a commercial <laughs> for Evergreen for a Hospital in Maine. In Maine, and uh, and so and in Maine, maybe the room is never crowded, and maybe you do get individually. Well, yeah, it's I don't a pretty wanna, small place. I don't want to step on any toes. It's an elderly populace in Maine. Oh, um, so maybe they're a little busier hospitals, even though the population is lower. Hmm. But uh, anyway, so then I stumble something about uh oh yeah here and in maine <laughs> so you mean you noticed it in real time while you're making the presentation yeah, yeah. i had not know it ahead of time no because i think i'd always pause it as soon as it gets to evergreen health and pause it <laughs> and then it goes and then it shows the locations in maine and your your prof didn't catch this uh he said nothing about it at the time we get our uh our, our grade as an email and it says, you know, good stuff, this, this, and this. Pretty sure you showed the wrong commercial. <laughs> and, and we got docked maybe five or ten points for that. Right. Um, and so cue this this now, this uh, uh, debate between me and Lem about how I should have known because my bit was the commercial. I'm the one who broke that down. I blamed him for sending it to me. He chose the wrong link and sent it to me. I told mm-hmm. him, you know, if a teacher gives you a book to read, you're not going to flip through and be like, hey, is this the right book? You're just going to trust their word on you it. You were both culpable. I'm sure. Um, I'm I enjoy low stakes arguments. So me and Lem would go to toe, you know, toe to toe on really uh, mostly fictional stuff like Star Wars. We've we've talked about uh, the episode eight, which is very divisive. We've we've gone blows on that for hours, um, and I enjoy it a lot. I just hate public speaking. I know this isn't. Oh, sorry, I'm just giving context. <laughs> anyway, after that, that was my that was semester one of my junior year, I think. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, I, I learned now I know how to public speak. That was great. And, uh, immediately following you had another assignment, I tanked these other presentations. I did. <clears throat> if I had to give one for my, uh, uh, I think it was called business writing, but I gave, we had to devise kind of fake, um, companies and then, um, do a portfolio kind of, of different types of business writing for those companies and then give a presentation to your company. Mine was some literary magazine and I, ugh, it was it was bad. It was very bad. So I never learned, and hopefully I never will have to. That's interesting. Yeah. Hey, I'm on a vocabulary word lesson. You mm-hmm. know, we always do this. I learn words from you, but I used a word a moment ago, culpable. You were both culpable. Yeah. I like that word. I actually know, know what it means, but it made me, I was thinking about the word, and it comes from that Italian mia culpa, right? Is that what they say? Oh, what does that mean? I don't know. Uh, if you If you hurt someone and you're apologizing, 
You say, oh, mea culpa. I think you're saying this is my fault. Probably, yeah. I'm curious what culpa actually means. <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. I thought you might I, know. You're my you're my walking thesaurus dictionary. I don't have like countries of origin in the original Latin for these words. <laughs> I just I just know how, how they've been used. All right, culpa, that is. I mean, culpable. You got it right. I think. I'm, for sure. Yeah. Know, yeah. 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 Okay. So let's talk about Sabbath, which sure. is the Latin sabado. No. Yes, which we also have Spanish sabado, which is Saturday. It's interesting. Oh. Uh, Sabbath in Spanish, sabado is Saturday. And the Sabbath in the Old Testament was Saturday. Mm -hmm. And now we have in the New Testament era of Christianity, you do have a segment of the church called the Seventh-day Adventists Mm -hmm. who still practice Sabbath on Saturday. And so they do their worship, which they would consider part of the Sabbath uh, activity. They do that on Saturday. Sure. Um, so uh, it it does appear that in modern church history, after the resurrection, uh, Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, and so they began to celebrate the resurrection on the first day of the week. So mm-hmm. um, my that my thumbnail church history would be that it was it was uh, typical for Christians after the resurrection to celebrate faith together on Sunday, the first day of the week. Gotcha. But Sabbath was always practiced by the Jewish world on Saturday, thus the word Sabbath. That's mm-hmm. where that uh, word began in that etymology of Saturday. And so um, <clears throat> it was, the idea was that you would uh, work six days and take one off. It's an agrarian culture, and so you really had to work. You don't get a day off. If you work a farm, if you have animals and livestock, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't get a day off. And so the idea was you would work six days, not work the seventh uh, the, uh, the seventh day is Saturday because Sunday's the first day of the week. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, a big deal with this, I'd say is most is, is largely cultural, right? Uh, you know, the, the new Christians who were brought in, you know, and, and Paul says, Hey, circumcision's not a big deal. And prior to this, Jesus said, said, Hey, the Sabbath isn't, isn't as rigid as you're making it. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to me, when they were uh, proletizing and, and new converts were coming in, um, they weren't saying... Be sure and practice the Yeah, Sabbath. exactly. They weren't saying take work off. And it seems like since then, you know, none of the Western Christian kind of culture really takes this that seriously, ap- apart from Seventh-day Adventists. And yet, it is one of the Ten Commandments, and we do observe the other nine. Hopefully. I mean, we would agree that the other nine yeah. are still in force. Yeah. So let's talk about this because um, this really this conversation is stimulated by a conversation you and your wife had with a friend mm-hmm. who was talking about their practice and observance of Sabbath. Yeah. And this kind of got you thinking. Yeah. So uh, um, we were talking about it and it was kind of a, you know, young couples, both of us are, are uh, haven't been married very long. And she was asking, you know, how me and Lindsay practice the Sabbath. Sabbath how, yeah. So she was assuming that that is a practice for you. Yeah. But it was... Uh, I don't know. Has anyone ever asked you a question that relies on um, kind of a a mutual understanding of something, and you weren't really there? So it was like it was like it was like, oh, how do you how do you kickflip? How do you skateboard? How do you how do you do your kickflip? <laughs> and it's like, it's like oh, uh, I don't. Yeah. And so it wasn't. Uh, it's not that I. I just. I guess I don't pay it as much mind as I should. But it was also kind of. The attitude there was was cultural in a way of unplugging. It was it was that her her idea of the Sabbath was um, no screens. It was 
you can read, uh, talk to each other, think. Um, but to me, that's not necessarily, that's, it seems kind of more cultural or present day dressing on it than biblical, right? Well, let's go back to the beginning then when God said, gave the 10 commandments and gave the idea of Sabbath. He said, you shall, you shall work six days and take a Sabbath because God completed the work in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Mm-hmm. And this is the framework given for the giving of Sabbath as a law, that God worked six days and rested on the seventh, and you should do likewise. Now, the, there's some interesting things about this because um, this is a gift. Jesus would later say, hey, Sabbath was a gift from God. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabbath was created for man. Man wasn't created for this law of the Sabbath. And so it's a gift from God, <clears throat> and it's a gift that does a couple of things for you. It gives you a rhythm to your life. It gives you, uh, it builds your faith because what God is saying to farmers and to ranchers and to agrarian families is, if you will work six days and rest on the seventh by faith, mm-hmm. like it's an act of faith to rest, then God will give you more productivity in six days than pagans get in seven. So it's a chance to build your trust, your faith, to demonstrate to the world. Right. Hey, we rest because God's got all this in his hand. It's a it's really a declaration of the sovereignty and power of God. And so we rest. We don't care how crazy the world is. We don't care how urgent life is. We're yeah. going to rest. And we're going to rest on this exact day of every week no matter because you could say, well, man, this is a crazy week. I need to Sabbath on Tuesday instead of Saturday. Sure. Right? Well, they wouldn't do that. It was like it doesn't matter what the world events are. We Sabbath on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an act of worship. So then um, this isn't a normal commandment, right? So uh, that's what, uh, to, to me, to a, to a layman. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, you know, when he gets confronted and saying, hey, you're not – you're not honoring the Sabbath because you and your uh, uh, disciples plucked grain in the field and and ate while you were walking. Uh, he doesn't do. He doesn't lie to somebody. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't murder anybody. And they're like, "Hey, you can't do that." And he's like, "Hey, yes, I can." <laughs> you know, it's nothing. It seems to be the only commandment that he's kind of flippant with on the the actual implementation of it. Um, what's going on there between the the day the Saturday that you cannot lift a certain amount of weight, right, and the um, more of a mindset or, or, you know. Yeah. So, uh, th- this is, if, if it's okay with you, I, I'll give you my short framework for Sabbath on every angle for me personally. Yeah, please. Um, it is a command of God. You can't argue. It's one of the 10 commandments. Mm-hmm. So that, that adds a weight to it already, but you do have Jesus who plucks heads of grain on while he's walking on Saturday with his disciples. He's accused of being a Sabbath breaker. And that that broke the rules that you can't harvest on right, Sabbath, right? right. And, and it's the work of harvesting uh, that he couldn't do. Hmm. And these were Pharisees who were making, man, they were, they, were, they were making crazy, exaggerated rules from God's basic law. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were trying to, they were out to get Jesus. So this was... Um, this might have been part of their that. part of yeah. their bias. Yeah. Anyway, his response to that was, um, "Hey, my father's always working, and he's working every day till now." And what? So he's basically saying God doesn't Sabbath anymore. He Sabbathed mm. once, but he doesn't Sabbath anymore. For which I'm actually grateful that God doesn't take a day off. You know, I'd hate to have a need an emergency on Saturday and God say, "Hey, sorry, yeah. I'm Sabbathing." Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesus says, "My father never rests. He's working every day till right now." And so that's his attaching himself to his father 
I don't take a Sabbath because I'm at work so you can Sabbath is really part of that. But then he also says, um, do you not remember David in the Old Testament uh, went in and ate the holy bread from the holy place yeah. and gave it to his soldiers because they were starving? And that bread is only for priests to eat. So Jesus is saying, and then he says, the Sabbath was not made for man. Man, uh, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, yeah. so he's kind of given this framework that, hey, you're missing the point. Well, then, so the the Ten Commandments were, you know, God breathed like we believe yes, the whole scripture. Absolutely. So, Written on a stone with the finger of God. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. And what's the, if it's not supposed to be taken that way, why was it written that way? Well, because it, well, the the word for word in the translation I know is observe the Sabbath Sabbath as holy. Yeah, right. That's the whole commandment. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Jesus had a habit of expanding the commandments. So, mm-hmm. uh, you should have no other gods before me. What does that mean? You know that you can have a god after me, <laughs> right? No, right. that's not what it means. And then um, Jesus told us you should not commit adultery. But if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already mm-hmm. in your heart. Uh, you shall not murder. And then he says, if, if you tell someone you hate them, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. Yeah. So he amplified these for us, and and that's helpful. And as he amplified the Sabbath, the point was you shall rest, right? You shall rest and trust God. As you hear Jesus amplify the Sabbath, then you see him um, say that he is, he really is our Sabbath. Then Hebrews teaches and he's, and Hebrews says, um, there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God, talking about in Christ. Hmm. And so this notion that you and I can Sabbath not one day a week, we can Sabbath every day by not bearing burdens, by letting our doing our life unto the Lord, worshiping 24-7, 365. Yeah. Our life is an act of worship. And we can be these people who aren't overwhelmed with life the way others are. Sure. <clears throat> we don't grieve like others. And we don't work like others, and we don't bear burdens like others. We don't stress like others. We don't worry like others. This is the opportunity for us to experience the Sabbath rest of God in the person of Jesus 24 hours a day. So this is going to sound antagonistic, but uh, is that not a cop-out? So imagine you could do that, right? You could mm-hmm. you have that kind of faith, and a step further, you have the faith to take a whole day, too, every week. Absolutely. So this is where I turn a corner. I believe, actually— that the New Testament concept of Sabbath is that, that uh, in fact, um, you know, we talked about weak faith and strong faith in the past, about mm-hmm. should a Christian go to a bar, can you, can you have a drink, you know, yeah. those kind of conversations. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the conversation is he whose faith is weak, right, says you have rules, and right. he whose faith is strong says you can eat anything. Well, the same thing, he has the same conversation about Sabbath. He said some of you consider some days more holy or sacred than others, Sabbaths, and he goes, Sabbaths, holy days, uh, festivals. And some of you consider all days alike. This is where (laughs) I land. Every day is sacred before God. It's not one day a week. That one day a week is not sacred to God. All of my days. The, The coming of Jesus brings all of that into wholeness in the person of Christ. So, yes, it's a cop out from enjoying the reason God made Sabbath. You you started this conversation with me when you got to the house about, hey, we had this conversation about Sabbath, and Dad, it strikes me that you probably suck at Sabbath. <laughs> I think it was something that like is that. Not, that's the spirit <laughs> of what I said. That is not what I said. That's not the exact words you said. But I, I said that to you, 
a 24 hour period of no productivity sounds like torture hell yeah and it is and this is a dysfunction of mine and this is what we want to talk about too with okay um yes it is true that i can find rest 24 hours a day in christ and i can sabbath every day that's that's you know hey is that a cop-out it's also an incredibly powerful promise and to not practice it is also a cop-out sure but it's kind of like um like god i trust you to um fight my battles for me but i'm going to fight them anyways you know that seems kind of like what it feels like Mm. i go to psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want Mm -hmm. i shall lack nothing is the another phrase he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Uh, he leads me beside still waters. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Like, this is the shepherding behavior of God. Mm-hmm. He's shepherding you, John. He's feeding you. He's caring for you. He's fighting enemies on your behalf. He's resting you. He's feeding you. He's restoring you. You don't have to worry about any of that. Right. That's the invitation for you to experience that kind of rest a life without lack every day. So I would say that is a huge act of faith to when you get fired and you and instead of freaking out and worrying, you say, Well, Lord, I'm not gonna bear this burden. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn what I can learn and I'm gonna start looking for the job you have for me. But this is not a reason for me to freak out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would be an act of faith. Right. I get so um that analogy is tough because I wouldn't say that, like, say you get fired on a Friday and your Sabbath is Saturday. Then you're just like, well, I'm just going to gonna kick back. <laughs> you know, you should probably probably look for work. But um, I guess so. So your, your analogy, of, again, of the, the weak faith, strong faith, which we've established. Right, right. The stronger faith is not taking the Sabbath day. The stronger faith is not seeing that day as sacred mm. because all seven days are sacred. But there's still the wisdom. And here's where we get into the shift of gears. I lack wisdom, John, because I do not practice the Sabbath effectively and consistently. Hmm. It would be wise. You, I mean, man, he, it, it, it's God made it uh, one of the ten. You would be incredibly wise. Now, that Sabbath, the, I would argue the commandment of Sabbath I'm experiencing every day, as we described, through my faith in Christ. Yeah. But there's also the the stopping of your life. And man, as the world gets faster, more technology, more pace, blah, blah, blah. Totally. It's even more important that there be one day where you turn the dumb phone off or you don't check your email and you commune with your family. Can you imagine having one day every single week where you and your whole family, like when you were a kid, if we had all said, hey, this day is sacred. We don't give it away to anyone. And we're going to play board games, and we're going to eat good food, and we're going to maybe watch a movie, and we're going to worship together, look at the scriptures together, do puzzles, whatever, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Even go to the beach and walk the beach together. Um, we didn't have a beach when you were little, but <clears throat> you understand the point. I, yeah, yeah. Um, what, a, what a powerful and physically regenerating and energy recreating practice. Yeah. They also have a lot of evidence of the outcomes of the lives of people who practice Sabbath, mm-hmm. i.e. Seventh-day Adventists and other people, Jews, people who habitually, and even Christians, I don't, I don't mean to imply there aren't, you know, standard run-of-the-mill sure. Christians who aren't practicing Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
people who practice Sabbath, when they study their heart rates, their disease rates, um, their stress levels, all of it, it is a powerful practice. So I would say, from a wisdom standpoint, we ignore the principle of a daily setting aside for rest. We ignore that to our own peril. Yeah. Well, and I don't. Uh, my goal is not to to cheapen what is clearly a um, a successful um, part of your relationship with with God. You know, it's right, not right. you're not. I wouldn't say you are copping out by not. Uh, putting an entire an entire day aside because you are reaping the rewards of that of being faithful to that commandment with your with your mindset. Um, but w- talking about, um, we were also having another conversation about uh, faith and works and how the uh, works is the uh, fruit is it is the action of your faith. It it, it is the um, the fulfillment of your faith. So if so I say it, I love my wife, my care for her my fidelity to her mm-hmm. is evidentiary of my love. Exactly. And so you, in saying I have this faith in God that he is my provider mm-hmm. and that no matter my toil, my ultimate um, rest reward, yeah. all of it comes from God. Yeah. That faith exists regardless of you taking a Sabbath, but the taking that whole day might be that, um, that, uh, the word, I like to use the word consummation, even though it's it's a little loaded. But it's it's the fruition of that. It's it's the the um, it's the bearing that it's the fruitfulness it's, or the it's the evidence that it exists. Exactly, it's you saying I really I believe this to the extent that this day I will I will not toil towards my own. And I cannot reward. argue with you one bit about that. Um, in my life, I get Friday Saturday off, mm-hmm. and Sue works Fridays, so Friday is. <clears throat> From a personal standpoint, I only have responsibility for what I accept responsibility for on Fridays. Sure. I could make Friday or I could make Saturday with Sue this day where I block it off and say, nobody gets it but God, God and my family. Mm. And I actually believe that would be a empowering, um, powerful thing. We've been, I've been talking to some guys about sabbaticals. I have some pastor friends who've had sabbaticals. I have yeah, some yeah. that are about to go on a sabbatical. And the idea is, again, Sabbath, sabbatical, it's the same idea that you would take a block of time sure. and rest. And uh, I basically have this belief that pastors should not have sabbaticals. Now, this is hmm. uh, this is really arrogant of me to say. And I've <laughs> well, never, you've, ta- you've taken one, haven't you? I've never had one. Oh, okay. Um, there was a point because of a family situation in Denver that the board gave me a 30 days off hmm. to navigate a family situation. So that, uh, that they called that a 30 day sabbatical. So that, that gotcha. so I guess I have had one. Um, it was inundated with a huge family situation we had to navigate. So hmm. <clears throat> it wasn't the same thing. Right. But um, what I have desired to do is live a life that so enjoys the Sabbath rest of God and is on pace that it works at the pace of God, I've been thinking about the word God speed and mm-hmm. doing life at the speed of God. Yeah, you spoke. You talked a little bit about that last. Yeah, week. and and the speed of God be slower. You know, it's obviously a slower. You think God speed is fast? It's actually a slower speed. Yeah, that was my reaction. He said that we take that seventh day off because God did. It's like, well, I can't do all that God does in six days. <laughs> so I should probably work all seven, right, to keep up, right. Yeah. So. Um, Let's do this. Let's do our commercial break. Okay. And when we come back, here's what I want to do. I'd like to hear you tell me what you think your 
faith-filled perspective of practicing Sabbath ought to be. And then I'll mention a book that Sue read a while back about Sabbath. I think it's maybe one of the best resources out there on the conversation. And I'll talk about the idea of what I think I would like it to be in my life, which is a confession of that this is not what it is, Sure, but this is what perhaps it should be. Yeah, you How's got that it. sound? Sounds great. All right. Okay, we'll see you guys in a few. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Also, a quick shout out. Uh, we had a huge boost in listeners this last month. Uh, no real identifiable cause. We're working on that on the analytics side. But our previous high for the month was about 400 listeners, and this month we, we hit uh, 650 just about. Oh, that's over that. It's, uh, it's actually like 669. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. like that's a huge increase. That's a 200, uh, over a 50% increase. So if you're telling people about the podcast, keep it up. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. And if you're just listening, thank you so much for just listening. We're, we really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. You guys are the best. So, uh, all right, we're back. Uh, how about first, since you got that book open, you, you, uh, read a little bit of that and say, you, uh, what, what you would change about your own. Yeah. So, um, there was a time when Sue and I talked a lot about this subject mm. and, um, you know, talking is, motion and action is movement so on the subject of sabbath we had lots of motion and no movement gotcha Uh, however the book is called sabbath subtitle finding rest renewal and delight in our busy lives and it's written by a guy named wayne muller m-u-l-l-e-r this book is really really good it talks about the historical framework of sabbath and how it was practiced among the jews but also real wisdom on how to practice it now. The idea being of just real connect. It's time to shut the world out and connect with the people who matter the most and connect with God. It is a day where couples would always have married couples would always have lovemaking that day. It just slowed the pace of everything down and there was uh, longer meal times, better conversations. Um, I mean, you just can't argue with the power of it. Sure. So let's go to you, John, and and uh, tell me, um, what's your thought about Sabbath? As you know, John and Lindsay, you're married, and what is your thought about Sabbath as a follower of Jesus and as a practice yeah. for your life? Well, that's a that was a quick rebuke to myself. Was that uh, we haven't even had the the movement the what is it the the motion the motion <clears throat> uh, we have we haven't really talked about it so. Uh, neither of us have issues um, being at home and uh, indulging our hobbies. So uh, Lindsay will embroider. I'll uh, read a book, play a game. We'll have a movie on something. You guys Lots are of, really good at uh, you. You have. It seems like there's a um, 
there's a, a volume of social engagement after which you both say, time out. <laughs> yes. We need a day. Yeah. And you've been really good about that. And that is an energy creator for you to have that day. Yeah. And I don't know if it's every seven, but it does seem to come rhythmically. The days, uh, well, that's the thing, is is a sun up to sundown, um, nothing mm, day. Mm-hmm. Even to me. That's a lot. Is real, yeah. Who is very indulgent in my in my downtime. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So yeah. we, we all hardly ever have those. This week has been great with Thanksgiving and with uh, both of our works being very generous to us, where we had we did have a day like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but even then, we had family. We're hanging out with friends, which is its own kind of downtime. Um, but none of it, that mindfulness I talked about is important, because in this time, even when we do make time to just be the two of us and relax, it's not always mindful. It's not always because it, Sabbath, it, it, Sabbath is a worship. It's yeah, almost, so you it's, would say in that day you you might go a long time, maybe the whole day, without an awareness of exactly, the nearness of God to you of the reason we are able to do that. Yeah, uh, so that's its own thing. I wouldn't call that a Sabbath. I would call that resting. Call it a day off, yeah, but it's not. Off. It's not a certainly a a spiritual practice. Exactly. So in uh, making that day um, with that mindfulness and awareness, and especially if you have you know, kind of pressing things or stressful things mm-hmm. uh, that I would call an act of worship. And, and so we haven't really uh, done that. Um, and I want to not, not to, not to backpedal, but I want to, um, what's the term? Not vilify uh, the opposite of that. I want to give credit to, mm. um, I don't know, but, but to, to applaud, applaud. Yeah, there you go. Uh, to the people who, who, like like you said, have the the Sabbath the Sabbath way of of being basically, yes, yeah, um, because that is uh, super important. And and even if I in the days where I would call a Sabbath, I'm not always mindful of it when on the off days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I commend that. Um, really, I guess to uh, if I were to make an action plan from here, it would be to talk more deliberately about it with my wife. And see if there's any way we could work um, more more deliberate um, Sabbath time into our schedule. And reach a conviction about whether yeah. that's every Saturday or whether exactly. it's something else. And whether that changes what our behavior is like on those days. So if it changes that we're... Because even in our hobbies, it's kind of go, go, go. In, mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's less important and it's not as productive. But it's always something to the next thing. It's mm-hmm. I'm either looking at my phone on social media and then I'm immediately turning that off and opening a book. There's right. never... There's not a space there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe making it uh, a worship time for the, the two of us, you know, or, uh, or yeah, or reading scripture together or a- any of that. That's good. I think that, um, I think, first of all, that slowing our pace is critically important. Mm-hmm. I've started some small habits, um, silencing my phone, um, refusing to look at my phone until a certain time of the morning. It hmm. used to be, you know, the phone's right next to you. Before I even get out of bed, I've right. opened email and Facebook yeah. almost every time. Yeah. And stopping that. And it's amazing how it's changing my mornings. I think we are enslaved to our technology. Hmm. We're enslaved to this idea of productivity and urgency. And I'm finding that as I slow that down, it's bringing real energy back to my life. And... I, my ad- admission is, as a workaholic, that I can tend to look at those things as laziness. Oh, yeah, you love Sabbath because it legitimizes your laziness. <laughs> sure. 
And uh, so I've got some real work to do on just confronting that and making it a an expression of my faith. Mm-hmm. I do believe that I have a productivity um, achievement addiction, hmm. and so a whole day, even if we're on a cruise, if that if I did not do one thing productive, which reading a, a meaningful book, that's why I don't read entertaining books. I read. Uh, books that help me produce more (laughs) (laughs) or think better or whatever books that give me the illusion that I've made the world a better place by reading. Right. Yeah. Um, Even that, you know, using my reading in that way instead of a leisurely way. So I think I've got a lot to learn there. And um, we have coming up in January as a church, we're going to observe 21 days of fasting and prayer. Oh yeah. uh, Starting January 1st, January 1st is a Wednesday. And so we're going to kick it off that night with a worship and prayer gathering. And I think, um, you know, this month of December, I've got some built-in Sabbath because my kids are all coming in town for Christmas, and we'll have about a four-day stretch where it's just us. That's awesome. So I think that'll be good. So I think I'm going to target thinking this through more so that I start January 1, maybe with just the month of January, figuring out a specific Sabbath practice and see how it goes from there. Sure. Yeah. What's your takeaway from this whole conversation? Uh, takeaway is that uh, um, is that I don't think about you know we started talking about how most most uh, people who are not Seventh Day Adventists don't really think about it mm-hmm. the Sabbath and uh, I'm very guilty of that like you said one of the ten there can only be ten rules that make that right. slab right stone slab and he chose Sabbath, Sabbath is one, of, one of them yeah. so um, in that wording I, maybe I could do um, some kind of exegetical thing on keeping or observing it as holy what exactly that meant in mm-hmm. the time. Um, because you know, culturally it became what it was at the t- uh, in in and is in Hebrew society where you don't work physically, your body does not exert itself. Yeah. Um. But really, what that what that means? So, uh, yeah. Take away from this is have that conversation with with Lindsay and see if we can um, establish that as more of a um, more of a mindful practice. Um. And generally, I don't know. You you know me as a worrier. Mm-hmm. Um. But I have surprised myself with my ability to not think about things, even when they need to be thought when about. When they shouldn't be worried about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I don't know. The, the the changing that again, that mindfulness to changing from just oblivious to my problems to an awareness of God's uh, shouldering my problems right. uh, throughout my day. You use a, um, or have used in the past, a, a physical device, any, any, something in your pocket that when you touch, you yeah. you try and think about. Just a memory, a, 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 a trigger. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, maybe something along those lines. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when you mentioned honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, mm-hmm. um, I had forgotten that phrase in the wording of the law. Yeah. Uh, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's holy to God. That even more inspires me to practice that seven days a week to Mm. honor the rest that jesus accomplished for us to honor um i can quit working for my salvation i can quit working for god's approval totally that i can practice that rest and honor god and keep that holy that's sacred that's my life is set apart to god it is holy to god because of the work of jesus and I honor the Sabbath when I keep that holy and practice it every single day. I think I would fight to the death that that is the commandment equivalent of Sabbath. And then I think on the practice side, this gift of Sabbath, 
that God gives would be about setting that day away aside on a rhythmic week to practice rest. So I yeah. think I'm going to pursue both of those even more. I think it's, I mean, it's it's really really cool. You brought up earlier the the um, that Jesus changes a book I read for a, a class, which I wish I could remember the name, but that Jesus acts as a prism with which to view the Ten Commandments. Oh and man, that's changes, great! Yeah, yeah, he changes all of them. Uh, most more often than not, to say it's not about what you do; it's who you are. In in the sense of mm-hmm. you're not you're not holy because you don't kill people, because you hate people. Right. So in the same way, you're not holy because you don't lift on Saturdays. You're still a sinner because you're not trusting God for your mm-hmm. um, for your. Um, uh, yeah, you could safety. practice a one day a week Sabbath and be really far from God. Yeah, as the Pharisees at the time were. So. Right. Uh, that is such a huge thing and really, I, really a gift. I love the idea of Jesus being a prism. I haven't thought of that word, a lens through which you look at the Ten Commandments. He does magnify them and mm-hmm. clarify them and amplify their application to our lives um, really, really well. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you guys again so much for listening. That bump was uh, put a smile on my face. It was crazy. We we capped, we topped our highest month like less than halfway through this month. It was a, a huge deal. So thank you guys again so much. And that inspires us. So also, man, send us a email, info at jimandjohn.com, no H in the John. Yeah, we get lots of ideas for episodes for this. So if you have something that we've neglected to talk about or uh, or anything like that, be sure to, be sure to send it. Um, it. It really means a lot to us. It does. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.